Welcome to it. It's uh, John Scholes here and uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, for sure. Employment Law Show ready to go with Lior Sanfiru, employment lawyer, reaching out to Lior anytime you would like to do so. That is completely possible for you. one 821 5900 and uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, by the way, we're live. We're ready to go and we're waiting for your phone calls. So, uh, so bring them on with your employment law questions. There's no question too small, too silly. Don't think it's silly at all. We'd like to hear from you and get you on the air. Be that third voice joining us. And to do that toll free, one 877 399 Again, 1-877-399-9898 to have your say. Ask your questions. Uh, and momentarily, we're going to get into our main topic for the day. And that is uh, what you thought you knew about severance. Well, it's probably wrong, so we're going to enlighten you in that regard. But first, uh, the week that was, case of the day. What's going on with you, pal? Hey, Johnny. Doing great here, of course. Ready, willing, and excited to talk about employment law, mm-hmm. to answer as Big many time. questions as possible. This is the time. This is the place. If you're dealing with a workplace issue like so many of us are sometimes, well, no, no need to deal with it on your own. Share that burden. Let's talk about it right now. Let's get you some answers and some help just by calling and asking, is this legal? Can I do something about it? Uh, what uh, are my rights? Asking those questions, you'll be able to understand what your matter is all about, what to do, and how to make it better. So don't uh, carry that burden alone. If you lost your job and are worried about what that means if you're worried about losing your job like a lot of people are these days if your job has changed if you're being mistreated in the workplace we can go on you get the idea this is the time to ask those questions and get answers and help and of course beyond this uh, show that we have right now you can always reach out to me as john said in the office uh, John gave the contact information. We'll give it again throughout the show, uh, so stay tuned for that. You can have that private chat. But week that was, I want to talk about a couple of situations that came across my desk over the past week. First one I'll tell you about. I spoke with a lady who uh, unfortunately found herself uh, in a not uncommon situation. She was bullied, harassed by a manager. Really quite bad, quite outrageous, some of the conduct that this manager engaged in. And she, uh, you know, really gathered up her courage. It was very tough for her, but eventually she did exactly the right thing. She went to speak with HR. She was kind of really hesitant about it, but finally made, made that move, went to speak to HR. HR said, okay, we'll investigate, we'll get back to you. Well, HR investigated and they did find that, yeah, this guy, the manager, bullied her that acted completely inappropriate, which, which is fine, except they decided that the way to deal with that is to just give him essentially a slap on the wrist, say, tusk, tusk, don't do it again, and uh, allow the two of them, the manager and this lady, to continue working together. Well, you can imagine the effect that this had on her, the stress that she felt saying that this guy that, that uh, she complained about is still her boss, she still has to work with him every single day. That idea, that stress was so bad that she ended up going off on a disability leave. And then she called me. She said, how do I go back there? You know, is this appropriate for me to have to face this guy that's, that had bullied me for so long uh, and, and is now still my boss, my manager? Well, here's the thing, John. While her employer did the right thing by investigating, they did the wrong thing by not realizing that these two can't continue working together. They had to find a way to separate them. There's no way this can uh, this can be allowed to continue, that you leave the victim to continue working with the person that, that treated her so badly. No, no way. That was them dropping the ball. They should either maybe let the manager go or, or find another role for him, find a way so they don't have to work together. By not doing that, They've essentially terminated her employment. They've created a situation 
that makes it impossible for her to continue working. This is a long, dedicated employee, been there over 10 years. I'm going to get her compensation probably well over a year's pay. But I wanted to remind everyone, employees and employers, that number one, you have to deal, employers has to deal with harassment appropriately. They can't uh, make light of it. They have to take it seriously. And ultimately, they have to eradicate it from the workplace. And that may mean getting rid of the harasser or putting him somewhere else, making sure that he doesn't have to face the victim again. Not a healthy environment here. Uh, if you're finding yourself, you're being mistreated, bullied, harassed, you have rights. You have options. Always give me a call. It's interesting, too, in this particular case you're talking about, Lior, the, you know, the manager, just by, by, by label alone, is obviously somewhere probably in the middle of the ladder as far as the company is concerned. So if I'm listening to you now saying, yeah, Lior, but it's only me and two other people, and the, and the boss is at the top, he's the one doing the harassing. I got no other to There's no HR. I can't go above his head or her head. What do I do? Yeah, in, in a situation where there's no one to talk to, there's no HR, there's no someone above the person that's mistreating you, at that point, it's time to get you out of there. We don't have to go through the steps of filing complaints, etc. All you have to do in that situation is be able to show that you're being harassed, being mistreated. The boss is not going to just admit it. So do you have a recording? Do you have something in writing? Do you have an email confirming? Do you have a witness? If you have the ability, ability to show that you're being harassed, Let's talk about it right away, or I can help you find a way to, to have that evidence because you have rights. That it is a constructive dismissal. It can even be a human rights violation. So the bottom line is no one ever should suffer from harassment because there are rights here. And again, as mentioned, it's a, it's a toll-free number to give us a call right now. Get on air and talk to us. Ask your questions other than uh, me asking Lior all the time. You can do the same thing, right? one 399 9898 is how you do that. What you thought you knew about severance is wrong. Yeah, even when you discuss it with your neighbor beside you who may have been fired several times, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I guarantee it. So we're going to, uh, we're going to crack open that shell and have a look at it here. First one is this. Is it up to the company, Lior, regardless of size, to decide how much severance an employee or at least former employee is owed? What do you think? You know, a lot of people are, uh, believe that, well, the company decides or they told me I'm going to get this, so it is what it is. You know, it would have been nice if, if they had given me more, but they decided. Well, no, not so fast. It is not the company's decision. The company doesn't have a say, frankly, as to how much severance you get. We have the law to take care of that for us. The law makes that determination for you, for the company. I don't decide, by the way. Uh, John Scholes doesn't decide. The law takes care of that. So if you lost your job, there are certain parameters that the law looks at, like your age, like your position, like the length of your employment, as well as others, that makes that determination. And if the law says, okay, you're owed 18 months of severance, then that's how much you have to get. Companies' views on this, the company's thoughts, what they think or want to pay, does not factor in. And it doesn't matter, big company or small company, they don't get to make that decision. That's why you can never, ever assume that the severance that you were offered is adequate. In fact, in most cases, it isn't. You have to make sure that it's right because once you sign off on that piece of paper, you're done. So, no, company doesn't get a say. You have to make sure you get the right amount because the law decides that for you. That's a, that's an interesting uh, point to take me to the next question. That is, different sized companies have different severance obligations. I mean, someone may think whether you're uh, working for Lou's Garage or Lululemon, it's going to be different, right? And, and in a way, you would think that, that kind of makes sense. You know, why would uh, a garage with two employees have the same obligations as a major corporation? Maybe that makes sense, maybe it doesn't, but that doesn't really matter because the law is very clear. 
the size of the company, the revenues of the company, the sophistication of the company is irrelevant in terms of deciding how much severance you are getting. So if you work for a certain amount, number of times, you get a certain amount of severance, regardless of whether you work for a major company or a tiny little company. So yes, that small company could have severance obligations equivalent to having to pay you two years pay. And that could be tens and tens of thousands of dollars. So this is a big misconception. A lot of people often tell me, no, no, small company, uh, you know, it's one or two employees, they probably have to pay a couple of weeks pay, when in fact they could be owed two years pay. So big misconception, big no-no. That's why you use the severance calculator. You can find that at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, find out how much severance you're owed, and you see none of the questions there have to do with the size of the company or what the company does, because that doesn't factor into the analysis in any way, shape, or form. All right, let's continue. We have lots of time. John Scholes and, of course, lawyer employee, uh, employment lawyer Lior Sanfiru joining you as well. Yeah, we got lots of time to take your call, so bring it on toll-free, of course, one 399 is how you do that. It's help at employmentlawyer.ca, and as Lior mentioned briefly in our uh, first segment, pocket employmentlawyer.ca. That website's brilliant. It's uh, free. It's anonymous. It was constructed about educating you with most things you'll need to know about employment law. It's simple to use and you'll have access to, to the severance calculator. Does that's what the title says. It's all in the ro- it's all in the wording, right? It calculates your severance accurately in about thirty seconds, and uh, literally, quite literally, millions of Canadians have used it and had their eyes open for sure. So you can check that out, PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. In the meantime, between the phone calls here, as we uh, get some and wait for you to give us a call, what you thought you knew about severance is wrong. Point number three is this: when you were let go, this one's huge too. Um, you get you know one two weeks for every year of service. That sounds about right, Aliar. This is the big one, John. This is what people believe. They they just know it. They they <laughs> believe it to be true 100%. Nothing to debate here. I see this all the time. Yeah, yeah. If you're let go, you get a week per year. Maybe you get two weeks, a week and a half per year of service. This is this formula, and I know what the formula is. Well, guess what? Wrong. Not even close. Not even close to being what the law provides. There is no formula, isn't, of a week severance per year of service or really any other formula your entitlements are far far greater than that a lot more than that and it's based on a number of factors your age your position the length of your employment your ability to find another job a few other things as well those are the factors and your severance for most people starts at probably at around three months and can go up to as much as 24 months for most people. So it's not a week per year. In fact, it's a situation where some people could get severance that's greater than the length of their employment. And you know, the reason why I came up with this idea to do this show many years ago was because I was you know, on some sort of a message board and someone had posted uh, that they lost their job and they wanted to they asked the people on the board you know, if their severance was, was fair. And, Everyone had advice about, yeah, that's a week per year, it's two weeks per year, you get a maximum of eight weeks, you get a maximum of two weeks, and it was all wrong. And number one, they confused the heck out of this person, but all that advice was wrong. So now you know better. If you're looking at a severance and it's a week per year or two weeks per year, nonsense. That's a wrongful dismissal because you're owed much more than that. That's why we send you to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca to our severance calculator. That's why we tell you to call me at the office so that you can uh, get the real amount so you understand. I, I wish I could tell you right now that it's, well, it's just a month per year, a month and a half per year. No, you have to assess all those factors. 
But that's what our severance calculator does. So now you know better. There isn't a formula of a week per year of service. And again, lots of time still for you to call in and join us on air live now, one 399 9898 Another point is this one, uh, Lior, you know, if you're fired air, air quotes if you're fired as opposed to laid off then you don't get severance yeah so so let's talk a bit about that this is there a difference between being fired and and being let go or being laid off well no the the law actually does not have this term fired this is not a legal term there is no court decision there is no statute there's no legislation that uses the term fired this is just something that people say so bottom line is you get severance always if you lose your job unless you did something that's so bad that makes it impossible to continue employing you in other words if you're terminated for cause if you've done something bad you stole you hit somebody you committed fraud you were given multiple warnings and you still couldn't care less well in those situations yeah you may be able to be let go without severance but too many people think that, oh, there's this difference and uh, I don't get severance maybe if I did something wrong or, or that the company gets to decide if I get severance. They get to decide if I'm quote-unquote fired. No, the law decides that. And the law is very clear. You get severance. If you had a job, even if you did something wrong, of course, if you do something so, so bad, then maybe not. But in the vast majority of cases, John, when the company says, you don't get severance, you did something wrong, whatever that person did, is actually not bad enough to allow the company not to pay severance. You're still owed your severance in that situation, so forget about this whole idea of being fired. Yeah, you get severance. Always reaching out to Lior anytime is an option, too. Got a great team uh, waiting to take your calls as well. 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. I promise we'll get to some email here uh, very shortly as they continue to come in. Our next point, though, what, uh, what you thought you knew about severance is wrong. And this one, this one sends everybody for a spin. Short severance employees get, or short service rather, employees get very little severance. Hmm. So it's easy to imagine or to think that, well, you know, if you work for a few months, it's, you know, if you get severance, yeah, if you're lucky, you'll get a week pay, two weeks pay. It's easy to believe that, of course, except that is wrong. You know, everything you know about severance is actually wrong. Well, this is one of those things. Short service employees get a substantial amount of severance, but it's actually more than that. Short service employees employees get or, or disproportionately more severance than long term employees. So you may have a short service employee that's worked for six months. That person could be owed six months severance. Yeah, if, even mm. if they've only worked there for a few months, you can have a short service employee that's worked for three months and still be owed six months severance. So yes, not only do short service employees get severance, they get disproportionately more severance. So. Don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't walk away from your entitlements just because you assume that you don't get much because you only work for a few months. Whether you worked a very short amount of time or you've been there many, many years, if you lost your job, you call me. You'd be surprised by just how much you're owed. You bet. Toll free, one 9898 Take a break from that topic. Uh, now, Leo, I want to slide over to the phones and get, to get Ron on the air here. He's been waiting patiently. Ron, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you, pal? Yeah, not too bad, buddy. Um, I just, uh, Leo, I, I always keep wondering, like, why the Employment Standards Branch doesn't say, hey, there is more than this. Oh, that's a good, like, great it, question. Like, you know, it's like, it goes without reason, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, we pay them. 
out of our pocket every, every two weeks. And then they come along and go, well, yeah, you get this pissant little amount. Yeah. And, and then Lior has to come along and go like, well, no, no, they're actually wrong. You know, Ron, if you ever are able to find a reason why that is, please call me because I'd love to know. Uh, I've been I've been trying for the, the the 20 plus years that I've been practicing employment law. I've been trying not just to get an answer to that. I've been trying to actively change that, not just in BC but across Canada, frankly, because this is not just a a BC problem. You know, other provinces have the exact same issue, and you know the government has taken the position is that you know we administer the Employment Standards Act. So we're going to only advise people about that, and we're going to not look at anything else, which is fine, except most people don't understand that that's all you're doing. And it would be yeah. as simple as them saying, your minimum entitlements are three weeks. You can, you can have more entitlements, and for that you have to get legal advice. That's all you yeah. have to say. I don't expect the government to go through a, a legal analysis, but they've refused to do that, and unfortunately run every single day. There are people that are misled by their own government here, often to the tune of tens of thousands of dollars. It's not right. I absolutely hate it. And as we speak today, Ron, I have not found a solution as to how to fix it. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's like when I first read The Law and You, right, the book, uh, I yeah. went like, you know, uh, tort should apply to uh, employment law. And it doesn't. It yes. doesn't. You know, it's like a, when an employer decides to damage you by by segregating you from your own uh, earnings, then it's a tort. It's the same thing as a as a physical assault. But uh, well, I understand yeah, they, I understand that uh, our Canadian law doesn't look at it that way, and, and that's wrong. No, they haven't. It doesn't look at it quite that way, but there are ways, and, and the law understands that an employer that deals particularly harshly with an employee may have other obligations and may have to pay additional damages. So, so there are ways to ensure that an employer is not treating someone badly, under, that an employer understands that if you're letting someone go, it's in a vulnerable state, so you really have to treat them properly and with respect. So it's not quite the same that the law doesn't care. But, uh, yeah, could it do more potentially? But, Ron, uh, always good comments here, and thank you very much for that call. All right. Well, thanks, pal. Take care. Welcome back to it. Uh, John Scholes here, of course, and employment lawyer Lior Sanfier, always at your beck and call here on air. Bless also, when we're not doing the show, you can reach out. Do not sit in silence and wonderment of, man, what's happening to my rights? I don't know who to call. You've got the team behind you, one 821 5900 Decades of experience will do so. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca, and that website built around everything we talk about here, easy to navigate, absolutely free and anonymous, of course, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And the fringe benefit of having the access to the severance calculator as well takes all the guesswork out of, uh, you know, what you know and what you don't know about how much severance you're supposed to get. The calculation can be made easily and anonymously in about 30 seconds. So take advantage uh, take advantage of that. Yeah, what you thought you knew about severance is wrong. And the the next point is here being, I love this one too. God, we get this, this call and this email so many times, Lior, that being on contract, quotation marks, means you don't get severance, right? Hear it all the time. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm on contract. Well, you know, if I lose my job, I don't get severance. Well, what's the topic here? The topic is things you just know. You just know them. Well, they're not actually right. Well, this is a great example of that. Being on contract does not mean you don't get severance. In the vast majority of cases, those individuals that are quote-unquote on contract 
are really regular employees that simply have been misclassified as contractors or, or something else that they're not. You know, if you look like an employee and you act like an employee, well, you know what, then you're an employee. And that means you have the rights of an employee. One of those rights is severance. So in many cases, most cases, the vast majority of them, you may think you're on contract, you may think you're not an employee, you may think you, you signed some unique document that deprives you of severance. Not the case. So the best way, the easiest way I can put it, and just keep this in mind, is if you have a job, do you have a job? If you have it, and then you lose that job, well, guess what? Then severance is owed. It really is, in most cases, as simple as that. And in terms of that distinction between contractor and employee, if you're in business for yourself, you have a bunch of clients, you decide who to go to and, and what services to provide and how much to charge, well, yeah, you're probably a contractor. Yeah, and in that case, you probably won't be owed severance if you lose a client. But if you're going for a, if you don't have a bunch of clients, you're going to work and you finish your job at five o'clock or whatever time, you go back the next day, do the same thing, you are an employee. It doesn't matter what piece of paper you signed. And by the way, we mentioned pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. One of the tools there is our independent contractor tool that allows you to actually find out if you're an employee or an independent contractor. Free and anonymous, check it out. But yeah, when it comes to severance, you're still owed that severance. Just to take a bit of a, a bit of a left turn here, is there, is there a category that's kind of in between that some people might fit into? So that's exactly uh, why you always have to get that advice because you may... We already know if you're a, a real employee, you get severance, of course. But there are situations where you're not actually an employee. You're a, you're a contractor, but you're still owed severance. And that's what we call a dependent contractor. So if you're a contractor, but you have one client where you do most of your work for, you know, more than half your job, maybe more than that even, you're, you're doing for one customer, one client, and that client decides to let you go, well, you're going to be owed severance because you're still financially dependent on that customer so even contractors true contractors are still owed severance in many cases so if you've lost your job or your customer and you want to know if you're owed something just call me let's chat about that the chances are you're owed significant compensation we can also have that conversation now with the remaining time like uh, ron did earlier you can do so right now toll free one 399 98 98 to do that um and i hate when you get this phone sometimes you got to convince people but it's it's like it's like knocking on a piece of wood and you know Leo, it's not really it's, it's not worth pursuing full severance so and that's another thing that you think you may know about getting severance and that is that mm. well you know if my employer is not giving me what i'm owed it's just going to be too hard too expensive too long to, to do anything about it so what's the point and again, I, I've seen people get give other people that advice. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're owed more, but gosh, do you really want to engage in a legal battle and you want to pay lawyers a bunch of money? And what's the point of that? Just take whatever they've offered you. Uh, no, please don't ever believe that. It's not even close. So unlike other legal issues, when it comes to severance, in the vast majority of cases, the process of getting severance getting the severance that you're owed, I should say, is not long, it's not complicated, it's not expensive, and it's often not even confrontational. Okay, oftentimes all is required is a letter from me, done, gets it resolved, we negotiate proper severance, you move on, and you forget about it. But the but you but could be at stake is significant. It could be the difference between the six weeks that you were offered and the nine months that you're owed. 
So don't ever be afraid of the legal process. There are legal things that can be complicated and expensive and long, you know, divorces and, and criminal proceedings and many other things. But when it comes to severance, when it comes to these employment law rights, usually it's not complicated. Let's talk about it. Don't walk away from your rights. Don't give up something that you are owed because you assume something is not is true when in fact it's not true. Especially, uh, you know, especially on the expensive point. I mean, why you wouldn't be in business if it were a expensive thing because your people are contacting you right at their lowest financial point, and so it wouldn't make sense for them to enroll you in the program, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it doesn't make sense for me to say, yeah, you know how you just lost your job and you don't have any money, and you're you're terrified about uh, how you're going to pay your bills. But I have good news. If you just pay me thirty grand, I'll help you. Right? That makes no sense. So it's because of that that you know, we're, in most cases, we're able to work on a contingency basis, and and even the process itself is short. It's not complicated. So please do the smart thing, do the right thing. Let's have that chat. Don't be afraid of me. Don't be afraid of the legal process. I don't want you walking away from your entitlements. And that number again, as uh, Lior just kind of threw it out there uh, after the show, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Still got time to reach us here, though. You know that number toll free. You probably called and listened many times. One eight seven seven. 399-9890. I want to get to one more point of this in our topic uh, today. If you're just joining us, is uh, what you thought you knew about severance is wrong. Now, if you try and get severance, you're going to burn bridges with your former employer. You don't want to do that, right? A lot of people believe that. And again, oh, if, I, if I'm going to get severance or if I'm going to ask for more severance or if I'm going to call Lior to help me get more severance, I'm going to burn bridges. Uh, I don't want that. So I'm just going to take whatever they've offered me and hope that they don't hate me. And let me start by saying that I'm a huge believer that you should never burn bridges. Let's build bridges, let's not burn them. So I get that completely. And I don't, I don't want to burn bridges myself, and I certainly don't want you to burn bridges with your former employer ever. And I'm mindful of that. And that's why in the majority of cases, we don't burn any bridges. You know, we tell the company, listen, here's what's, what the law says. We want to resolve this professionally, amicably, uh, and, and let's get it done. And the company does and they understand that if they're the ones that have not met their legal obligations, well, why are they going to get upset at you? Remember, you're not being greedy. You're not trying to trick the company. You're not trying to hurt the company. If you've only, the only thing you've ever done is try to get what the law says you should be getting, you should never feel bad about it, right? Never feel bad about it. Never worry about burning bridges. In the majority of cases, not only will you not burn a bridge, we'll able to negotiate a, a reference and a reference letter. So don't be worried about that at all. And it, it's true. I mean, the, the majority of us work for reasonably good-sized companies. This isn't their first rodeo. Little old you, that's, they're not, they're not going to be upset by writing you a, a reference letter. It's really not a big thing for them once they've had their rights read to them that they didn't know in the first place, right? Right. And, and you know, I, I, the, the odd thing I say often is that as good as I think I am, actually, I don't have the ability to get you one dollar more than what the law says you should have. Mm -hmm. So if the only thing you're wanting to is what the law says, I don't decide that we have laws. We've had laws for 200 years in Canada. If all you want is what the law says you should have, then how will the company get upset at you for that? Right? It makes no sense. Uh, why will you burn a bridge just because of that? So don't ever worry about that. We can get it resolved on good terms with a reference and without burning bridges. Let's uh, let's get it happening. That number for sure, toll free, one 9898 Okay, emails as promised. First one up, we're going to get to Henry. 
Guys, my employer uh, let me go a week after I came back from a medical leave. That's nice. I just found an ad online where they have posted for a replacement for me. Can they do this? Well, no, they can't because when you come back from a leave, a disability leave, a long medical leave, company has to make all efforts to bring you back. And the only time they don't have to is if there's just no job. They've tried, they've looked, they've made all efforts, and there's no job. Well, if there isn't something, they can't invent something, and then they can let you go, of course, pay your full severance. But there, if there is the job and they don't want to bring you back, well, no. That could be a human rights violation, uh, and, and it could be a breach of employment standards. It's certainly wrongful dismissal. You name it, it's wrong. So it does appear that if he's let go and the next day they're looking for someone to replace him, well, the only thing one can imagine is, well, they don't want to bring someone back from a disability leave. Illegal. Remember, when you're ready to come back to work from a disability leave, get that doctor's note clearing you to come back, and if the company doesn't bring you back, if they uh, give you a hard time, if they delay, if they try to avoid uh, you and they kind of you know, ghost you, none of that is legal. You have to give me a call. So that's what I would say to this person. Let's call. Let's have that conversation. Call me, and I'll help you make sure that the company is held accountable in this situation. Do you have to, with even more severity, hold them accountable if it's a uh, parental leave? So parental leave, the obligation for the company is even stricter. Right. So with the disability leave, you know, for example, they, they can bring in a replacement while you're off and they don't have to fire that replacement just because you're coming back. Well, with the parental leave, no, no, they do. If, you've, <laughs> if there's been a replacement for you while you're on a parental leave, well, they have by law the obligation to tell that person, sorry, you're out because this other employee is coming back from parental leave. So you're essentially guaranteed your job uh, once you're coming back from parental leave. You're not guaranteed your job coming back from a disability leave, but what you are guaranteed is that the company will make all efforts to bring you back. So both of those cases, if you're not getting your job back, there could be significant consequences for the company, so you have to give me a call. We got to an email here from uh, Joanne, part of the good listenership over in Ontario, likes to listen to the show as well, by the way, Ontario and BC and Alberta, uh, Lior's team practicing and helping people all over the country outside of Quebec. But Joanne says, guys, I've been given two choices. You'll love these to reduce my hours significantly or relocate from Toronto to Barrie. Now, Barrie, I know this is about an hour and change north of Toronto, an hour or <laughs> more drive each way. She says, what are my rights? So the options is to relocate over an hour or reduce your hours. Well, there's a third option, and, and frankly, that third option is none of the above. <laughs> and the reason for that is the company doesn't have a right to do either of those things. The company doesn't have the right to reduce your hours. That's a constructive dismissal. They also don't have a right to relocate you to that extent, you know, generally more than an hour, constructive dismissal. So what she can do here is to say, no. None, neither of those options are acceptable to me. I'm going to continue working in my regular job, regular hours, unless you tell me to stop. And if you want to let me go, you can let me go, but you have to pay me my severance. Because what the company may try to do here is to say, well, if you don't choose one of those options, you've resigned. Nonsense. Of course not. She's choosing to continue working in her job. If the company wants to let her go, absolutely, they can. But severance has to be paid and I don't know how long she's been there, but that could be as much as two years' pay. So the bottom line is for all of you there, uh, if a company is giving you a choice between one illegal thing and another illegal thing, there's always the third option, none of the above. Keep that in mind.
It's interesting you said how long she's been there, and that's a, that's a, an interesting factor. So we'll, we'll, let's just say, you know, because we don't know Joanne's been there for 20 years. She's a great job. She loves her mates, her workmates. They, you know, they go out all the time. It's just it's a great place to work, so she really doesn't want to leave. But going from Toronto to Barrie, especially in the wintertime, could be absolute hell. So maybe she might – she wants to try it. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Maybe she'll end up hating it. Does she have the option to do that at least and still be able to pull the plug if she doesn't want to? Yeah, this is something that I get asked often when it comes to a relocation. Yeah, I, I don't want to relocate. I think it's going to be horrible after we do all this extra driving. But, you know, maybe it won't be as bad, so can I try it for a while? And the answer is, yeah, absolutely you can. The way you do that, very simple. You send an email to your employer saying, employer, concerned about this, but I'm gonna, I'm willing to try it, and then I'll let you know how it goes. So I'll try it for two weeks, three weeks, and then I'll let you know if I'm okay continuing that or, or not. And then you can try it for a few weeks. And if you're happy with it, it's not as bad as you thought, great, you continue working. If it's as bad as you thought and you don't want to do it, you can still say constructive dismissal at that point. So you preserve your rights. So always do that, not just, by the way, with relocation. Maybe the company demoted you or they implemented change in hours or uh, you know change in shifts. If you're not sure if you want to accept it or not, buy yourself some time. Tell your employer, Employer, I'm concerned, but I'm going to try it for a few weeks. By saying that, you preserve your rights. You can only do that for two or three weeks. But mm-hmm. as long as you say that in writing, that's what you're doing, you're fine, and you're not giving up your rights. But after the two, three weeks are over, you still have, you have to make a decision. Do you continue working and accept whatever it is that the company did? Or do you say, no, that's a constructive dismissal? Again, any time for you, this email address that we always go to every show, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Beth goes, uh, guys, Lior always talks about negotiating severance, but my employer told me that they've, well, they've made me a good severance offer and won't increase it. Should I bother having my severance offer reviewed by you? Well, let's think about this for a second. Do we think an employer is going to say, here's your severance offer, but by the way, it's really bad and we're happy to increase it if you just ask, right? No one's going to say that. Every employer is going to say to one way or another, yeah, yeah, it's a fine offer. You should accept it. There's no worries there. And or nah, there's not. We're not going to improve it because we made you a good offer. No employer is going to tell you that it's a bad offer. Well, despite this, 90 plus percent of offers are terrible. So how do we reconcile that? Well, we reconcile it by saying the company is either not being honest or they're wrong. And remember what I said earlier. It's not up to the company to decide if their offer is good or not. It's not up to the company to decide if they're going to improve their offer or not. The law makes that decision. The law is going to determine how much the company has to pay, and if the company refuses, the law is going to make them pay. So it's not something you have to worry about just because the company said to you that that's it, it's a fantastic offer. You'll decide that when you call me or you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, and if it turns out that it is a good offer, fantastic. You sign it and you don't worry about it. But if you're one of the 90-plus percent of people that are offered with uh, that are offered bad severance, We'll get it resolved, and the company will comply with the law. I guarantee it. And to reach out to Lior when we're uh, when we're done, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Let's uh, let's wrap up with Jordan's email. And this this is right in the wheelhouse of what we were talking about earlier. It says Lior, I'm a salesperson, and I've been with the company for fifteen years. The first eight years, I was an independent contractor, and then I became an employee. I'm forty seven years old. How much severance should I get? You know, John, this actually is something that I see very often, that someone is a contractor, then they become an employee, or or reverse. They're an employee, and then they become a contractor. Uh, And bottom line is, 
it doesn't matter. You don't really magically change your status. In that case, you were very, very likely an employee all along. So the one thing I want everyone to remember is if you sign the piece of paper that says you're an independent contractor, it doesn't matter. If you're paying your taxes like an independent contractor, it doesn't matter. If you're uh, not getting a T4 because supposedly you're an independent contractor, it doesn't matter. What matters is the relationship between you and the company. If you act like a, their employee, then you are their employee, irrespective of what you've signed. So in this case, yeah, he's likely a 15-year employee. Doesn't matter that the status change in the middle, and that means severance like a 15-year employee. And you know the difference between 15 years and eight years is significant. He could be looking at 18, 19, 20 months of severance. So it's rare that your, your employment status can just change legally in the middle that way. In most cases, that's not the case, and you're going to be owed full severance, recognizing all your time with the company. And assuming, like you said, he's a salesperson for the last 15 years, up and down way, uh, earnings probably with commissions and everything, how do you calculate that severance? So some people get a straight salary. You know, they make uh, 75 grand a year, and so we know easily how to calculate that. No problem, how to calculate severance. But some people, their pay may vary. They may have better months, worse months, better years, worse years, and, and that may mean that the pay is up and down. Easy. We simply look at an average. Depending on how long you've worked there, we may look at a two- or three-year average. And whatever that figure is, if on average you make $7,500 a month, that's the figure we're going to use to calculate your severance. A company may often try to use the lowest number that they can to calculate severance, wrong. We look at an average, and, and we're trying to determine what you could have earned if you'd continued working. And in some situations, if, if the last year was a terrible year, but we don't expect that year would ever happen again, we may even ignore the last year. So it's an average. That's why it's important to get that advice if you lose your job. And thank you so much for joining us this past hour. We really appreciate our contributions. Ron on the phone and emails as well. Now you reach out to Lior on your own time, right? one 821 5900 Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. And that website, use it anytime, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time right here on the Employment Law Show.